All right. Um, yeah, so looks like we're all in this together alone. <laughs> Just trying to figure out our way in this crazy new world. Um, Still podcasting from our isolation booths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, is, uh, this is new. Um, yeah, how are both of you doing? You guys got uh, not going too stir crazy, I hope. I have so many Zoom meetings that I don't feel stir crazy because it's, I feel Zoom crazy. <laughs> That's yeah. how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, for the most part, um, yeah, we could just uh, eliminate Zoom from our lives after this. Um, although I don't know if there is going to be it after this. So, <laughs> Zoom might be like this flash in a pan thing that takes place just now. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they're like I think we're like, we're officially looking at like, you know, the before times and now we're here. So <laughs> I feel guilty because I my job is outside, so my day to day is still pretty much the same. Oh yeah. Yeah, you yeah, get to go I don't like you world. anymore, Colin. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I still get to go outside all the time. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think it's pretty interesting. There's a lot of, uh, you know, watching uh, how, you know, a lot of media is trying to work around this. You know, Saturday Night Live has kind of been doing their, like, SNL at home thing. Um, and we've got, like, the Parks and Rec thing coming up here. where they're Yeah, doing, like, a, Parks and Rec! Yeah, Yay! Very special episode, which I think will be pretty awesome. <laughs> which is, like, set during the quarantine. So my question is, like, is Ron Swanson going to be out, like, protesting? Uh-oh. Oh, God. <laughs> probably. Or, or I, I don't think he'll use Zoom, right? He'll, like, send a carrier pigeon or something. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Colin, you're coming in a little hot, just by the way. Oh, sorry. I'll, no worries. I'll back off. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's going to be, um, yeah, it's been an interesting thing just to already see how the world is kind of adjusting to this or, you know, in some cases refusing to adjust to this. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I definitely, um, Colin may not feel it so much, but I feel like me and Tara, are, you know, kind of feel like we're... Uh, Maybe living the same day over and over again. <laughs> wait, wait, what's what's a day? Exactly. <laughs> like, what day is it today? Like, no, what but is time? what what is the nature of a day? <laughs> day, what a concept! <laughs> I get that we like rotate in space, right, and that we're spinning in space. And solar cycles are still a thing, right? <laughs> yeah that's what we're just gonna have to start calling them we'll just call it the, the next solar cycle um yeah. <laughs> maybe we should just like start like the year system over again you know we'll just this will be like our year zero <laughs> yeah well on one of my projects my virtual reality projects we were modeling what it's like to be on trappist in the trappist one system because my colleague is an astrophysicist who um was a part of the team to discover it so uh, the trappist one planets they don't uh rotate right it's kind of like the moon they're tidally locked and so there's no day or night right there's like a permanent dark side and a permanent bright side. So one of the projects we did was actually how to tell time 
on a Trappist planet because it's so difficult given that our idea of time is so different. So, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So you can try that VR experience once we release it of how to tell time when there's no, there's no hours or days in the same way we understand them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I think that's a pretty good, uh, jumping point into our movies today or well, one movie one tv show uh both sharing the common theme of living the same day over and over again <laughs> being uh, stuck in a time loop <laughs> yeah it's like babe i gotta get out with you babe but <laughs> <laughs> you figured it out i love it <laughs> Yeah, we're talking uh, Groundhog Day and Russian Doll, um, two very different <laughs> pieces of media about, um, yeah, what happens when you live the same day over and over again. Um, yeah, I think um, most of us can relate to that right about now. Um, yeah, yeah. So maybe <laughs> you want to listen to this episode now or wait five years to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I think we should be done with, with this about five years. So now we'll, we'll see. <laughs> the latest projections would suggest, yeah, five years. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Groundhog's Day is, I feel like it's a, a comedy classic. Um, it's kind of interesting. Like I had, I had never seen it before. Um, it's rated PG despite having like a suicide montage. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but it was 1993, so I guess you know it was a, it was a different time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's got um, Bill Murray. That's the Bill um, who actually went to my. That's right, alma Regis. mater. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and was kicked out for I don't know. The stories are a little bit different, I guess. I think the the main one is. He was hitting golf balls off of the roof of Main Hall. Um, <laughs> so he was living Caddyshack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, well, I think uh, Regis would be happy to claim that uh, inspiration <laughs> after the fact, despite kicking him out at the time. <laughs> and kicking him out, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes. but he still yeah. like donates money and stuff to the school. So um, yeah, I think that they're they're perfectly fine with uh, that connection because they um make a point to say it a lot (laughs) 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 um but yeah uh so bill murray is going to the uh you know annual groundhog day i feel like most people in america know where that what that is where um there's a groundhog name is Puxatani Phil was that actually a thing before this movie or did that yes yes okay okay it was a real thing and it actually still is a real thing they still do that every year because yeah that seems like a very um midwestern uh like I don't know something about it just feels so thoroughly midwestern (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm gonna call it like a type of Americana right like (laughs) a, a quaint perhaps problematic yearly Americana <laughs> tradition that may have a kitsch factor to it at this yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, essentially it's, you know, a groundhog comes out and if it sees its shadow, then that means there are six more weeks of winter. Six more weeks of winter. Yes. Right. And if it doesn't see its shadow, then that means, yeah, spring is right around the corner. Um, and so 
Bill Murray is a reporter who uh, is also named Phil in the movie. Uh, and is he from Puxatani? Like, there's like that one guy that he that he runs into. That's Ned his, Ryerson. Ned Ryerson. Yeah, Ned Ryerson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they went to high school together. I don't think he's from Puxatani. Okay. Uh, and so, um, yeah, Phil is going to Puxatani to cover this event like he's done um, like every year for like five or six years. Um, and I think it was funny. It was uh, the, oh my goodness, what does he say? Point us in he a direction because I think Colin like, and I can quote it. <laughs> yeah, like, I know this movie pretty well. Yeah, me too. Oh, it, it, like it's before when he was going out, he you know said someone someday someone's going to see me interviewing a groundhog and think I don't have a future, um, which is like ooh foreshadowing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> John, <laughs> John. He's talking to Andy McDowell or or Andy McDowell and Chris Elliott. Yeah, I think yeah. outside the van. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yeah, oh, Chris Elliott's in this, um, which, um, again, like, I, I feel like there's a lot of, like, 90s, like, those 90s movies that um, I just, I just, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't, like, keyed into as, like, you know, part of, like, you know, my culture, you know, growing up, like, growing up, like, fairly religiously, growing up, like, um, just, like, in a, you know, very, you know, black uh like communities was mm-hmm. like Groundhog's Day wasn't really on was, my radar. It's not on. It's not, that's not <laughs> Wait, part of that Groundhog same profile. Day wasn't a yearly <laughs> tradition for you growing up. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, this movie is definitely like overwhelmingly white. It was like a, a movie so where white. a movie where the uh, the hot sex pot is Andy McDowell. Oh it is yeah. Not the... <laughs> So Andy McDowell, I just want to toss this out there for uh, that. She was kind of at that time, like the Catherine Hagel of the era where like she'd started so many rom-coms and people had this like overwhelming rage at her. <laughs> that, that just It's kind of a rewatching it. I was like, oh, right. Everybody hate, hated. I don't know if they still do, but certainly at the time there was this very um, kind of anti Andy McDowell. Uh, sentiment that was going around so well that's i think that is because she was the katherine heigl at the time i mean she was in everything back yeah then. yeah and, and i did actually write down that like for as pretty as she is i have always found annie mcdowell to be like very blah like there's as a performer i find her to be so flat and ineffective <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious, Craig, what you think, um, because. <laughs> well, I mean, most of my problems with this uh, have to do with just, wow, there's some really, really interesting uh commentary on what's considered to be romance in this movie i know <laughs> yep I know. <laughs> because essentially it's um you know phil reliving the same day over and over again and despite only knowing her for at the time like when they when this whole thing first starts like he's known her for like i don't know like a week or something like she's just started working uh, as a producer at like the news station that he works for um and he i, I is just like immediately you know attracted to her slash once we get start getting into these cycles like it definitely like 
like leans into obsession. Um, yeah, he also like upon <laughs> he's dismissive and arrogant and crappy, right? This is definitely following that like rom-com model of like white dudes and asshole to a woman who then gets the girl in the end. Well, <laughs> right? yeah, because every day he's literally just like finding like mining more information out of her knowing that the neck like when he wakes up like she won't remember any of it and then he uses that to his advantage to like try and like i don't know like, i find new ways to manipulate her yes it feels like gaslighting but it's kind of like a weird like because you know there's like i like he's not really like i mean i guess he is like you know toying with like her reality because like he's not like making her seem crazy, but he is like, yeah, very, very clearly manipulating her into becoming attracted to him. Like, and it's, I was like, this is gross. This is yeah, really gross. Yeah, it is. And that like a lot of people talk about this film as being very kind of quote unquote Buddhist in its aims, right? That it's this idea that within certain strains of Buddhism that you kind of live again and again and are reincarnated until you reach a certain type of enlightenment, right? And that, that you know, in Bill Murray's case, he reaches enlightenment via harassing this woman into loving him back or like being such a creeper <laughs> over years, I'll just call it years because the how long he's in this loop is debated. But yeah, uh, somebody said that it was something like, 1200 days that he would be in the loop in order to account for like all the skills that he picked up and everything yeah so some people say 10 years some people say 33 some people say 30 to 40 and then um there's a cut scene which i don't think anyone has actually seen but i know they shot it for the movie where uh bill murray marks time by turning a page in every book in the library and so but that got cut because people thought it was too depressing. And if that is the case, <laughs> if that were back in the film, then they had estimated it would be 10,000 years, right? Oh, God. <laughs> because, you know, by, by kind of, you know, doing the math on that. The idea that it takes a man 10,000 years to, to stalk a woman and be such a creeper to get him to like her. Yeah, I, I don't like the moral of this tale. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and it's that thing where, um, yeah, for the for it to take that long for him to um, actually s- come to some sort of um, like self awareness, like level and of self awareness, yeah, yeah, to like start actually giving a fuck about people other than himself and what he wants is like, mm-hmm. what does that what does that say about <laughs> what does that say about a society? What does that say? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, so I feel like certainly there are a lot of really problematic parts of this. And that, again, the idea that people often just gloss them over by saying like, oh, it's a Buddhist tale. And it's like, yeah, but it's real problematic inside there. Like, what is the, I, I, I love time loop movies and short stories and novels. Like this is a genre that I absolutely adore. Um, but usually there's a point to the loop and the point here is so painful (laughs) that you know that it's such a low the bar is set so low for him 
and he, it takes him so much time to, just become, to kind of become a slightly decent person not even a decent person but like a slightly s- decent person mildly decent <laughs> so like one of the big people. turning points is like he brings coffee to andy mcdowell and chris elliott and he's like hey what if i actually tried at my job like this other person said <laughs> that we'd get a better shot over here if i was actually caring like slightly about this report that i'm doing Yes, maybe and if they're, I they're didn't make it. They're blown away. They're blown away. They're like, wow, you're so different. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I and I feel like the fact like it the fact that it like took him so like it only took him two cycles to go from um like what's happening to I can do whatever the fuck I want, you know? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like two cycles before he's like you know, getting wasted uh, and driving a car down the train tracks, like and getting into a police chase, like two cycles before he's just like, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> but then it takes him another like, yeah, 10,000 or whatever to get to the point where he's like, you know, maybe I should just like work, use this time to like work on myself and better myself. <laughs> And like take care of the less fortunate and not make snide asides to everyone and bring people coffee. Again, mildest level, as you said, Colin, of being a decent human being. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, but all all of that aside, I still thought there were some pretty like funny moments in this. And overall, I actually did enjoy the movie, despite that like very glaring, yes, <laughs> very glaring like creepiness. And it's because you know, like Bill Murray as uh, an actor and a comedian uh, is just very good at his craft. Like, there's no denying that. Um, and, you know, the cast, like, surrounding him, um, you know, with uh, Chris Elliott, who I just kept calling Roland because yeah, this is, this is a major thing that I know from Shit's Creek. <laughs> this, this is where Chris Elliott kind of, I mean, he has made a whole career out of playing that dirtbag. <laughs> and <laughs> this, I think, is the one of the more popularized roles that he had of playing that dirtbag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's so young too. That was one of the things I wrote down. Like when you first see Chris Elliott, you're like, Oh wow. That was like Chris Elliott, like back in 93. <laughs> like years ago. So I didn't put this in the recommendations, but because I haven't rewatched it, but previous to this, he had a series called uh, get a life, which when I was in high school was the funniest thing ever. Um, it's very hard to find. I have not rewatched it mainly because I want to keep my, um, <laughs> my nostalgia goggles from when I was 14 on <laughs> about the show, <laughs> but he, um, he, he is fooled into living into someone's basement cause he's a, or, you know, their garage as a luxury apartment and wackiness. He's a paper boy, um, who lives in someone's garage. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So if you want to see even younger, uh, Chris Elliott, check that out. Oh, nice. Uh, also, um, I don't know the actor who plays Ned Ryerson. I don't his remember name his name. His name is Stephen Tobolowski, and he's, yes. he's one of those character actors who is in everything. Yeah, yes. yeah uh, he's in uh, One Day at a Time, which is another show that oh, I really is? love. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> he's like the, he's like a doctor, and um, he's... Um, uh, I'm forgetting everyone's name in this show, <laughs> uh, but he's like the love interest of like the mom, the, the mom's mom, 
uh-huh. so like the grandmother in the show. I, I I haven't watched the show in in a while, and I'm really bad with remembering little details like names but (laughs) um but yeah it's like they have like a really funny dynamic where he's like really in love with her and she's just like uh yeah whatever like (laughs) (laughs) nice she's like i know i get it but like maybe don't be so thirsty (laughs) 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 but it's really cute he also Uh, has a he also has a really good role similar uh to this one of a small character actor role in sneakers the movie uh, and sydney platier yeah um around from around the same time but like I cannot hear the word doozy without yeah. thinking of him. Like, watch out, that first step's a doozy. Right? <laughs> I can't hear that word without thinking of, you know, the 19 times that we see that moment <laughs> in the film. Is this is that like the first time this line is like said? Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where I've like heard it before. And like, is this one of those things where like, it, that, like, like people are quoting this or is it just like a thing that like, was commonly said and then just like it, it was, was a thing that movie. was pretty commonly said okay but, but it but, is it is like kind of old timey now but, yeah. but i think uh, it was a phrase that definitely pre-existed this movie but okay. then this movie like amplified it for another 30 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and i another moment that i really did enjoy was um when he's coming down and there's like you know the hotel like concierge uh and he like on this like the first day like when it's when he's like going through it he like asks her uh do you ever have deja vu she's like we might have some in the kitchen (laughs) (laughs) but i can take a look yep yeah and and that's like i feel like a lot of the humor is in all of the kind of side characters in this universe right the b&b owner as you're saying craig the uh, seeing ned um the kind of interactions he has with the piano teacher or the uh, person who's experiencing homelessness or, you know, people at the cafe, right? It really, um, it's about his reaction to a type of Americana that he has such a disdain for and kind of overcoming that over time. Like that yeah, is overcoming where that and to like where like the last line of the film is him telling Andy McDowell, like, we should live here mm-hmm. after he's gotten out of the time loop and he's come to like respect and like appreciate this town. Mm-hmm. I would say one of the things I like the most, sorry, I'm going to take this in a new direction if that's okay. One of the things I like, why I can watch this movie over and over again, despite the really problematic uh, message with <laughs> buried within it, or messages buried within it, is that we hear, uh, you know, uh, put your little hand in mine, <laughs> right? We hear, uh, I got you, babe, what, like at least a dozen times <laughs> to, to make a movie about repetition not be boring is so hard. But just the idea that um, to have something which in and of itself is about repetition and to make that engaging 
sustained for an hour of repetition is really filmically difficult. Um, and it, that comes through in the performance. It comes through in the editing. Like, I feel like that's one of the places where this is part of the reason it's become a classic. It's not just that it's funny. It's that they're able to kind of keep the audience engaged despite the repetition. Yeah, it, it really is because it's so well made. And I think that comes down to the Harold Ramis aspect of it. Because Harold <laughs> Ramis is one of those, like comedy directors who like you don't know like how good he is until you start looking at his actual filmography and being like oh yeah he did all these amazing movies and like a lot of like what we think of as like classic comedy from a certain time period uh, is all Harold Ramis and and that's uh, Egon from Ghostbusters for those yeah. of you who may not <laughs> know him otherwise <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh Oh, sorry, he, he also has a small uh, cameo in this movie uh, when Bill Murray is going to the doctor to see if his brain is okay. The doctor who's showing him the scans is played by Harold Ramis. But my favorite part was I was watching this with Steph and she said, he's not even looking at brains. He's just looking at their skulls. Uh <laughs> <laughs> watch this movie. Watch the scene with Harold Ramis because it's absolutely true. He's not looking at brain scans. He's just looking at an x-ray of his skull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the brain helmet that he's looking at <laughs> but yeah I, I i agree with you like it this does do a good job of of making that repetition entertaining still um and i do love the the sentiment of like where um, and maybe it's just because it feels so relatable right now, but, uh, he's, as you know, Phil says, uh, what would you do if you were stuck in one place and every day was exactly the same and nothing that you did mattered? And I was like, huh, I, I, <laughs> something about that just like really, really resonates right now. <laughs> Yeah, again, you'll either appreciate listening to this episode or not right now. <laughs> And I don't, I, I don't remember exactly what the context was, but I wrote it down where he says, I don't even like myself. I don't remember what the conversation he was having um, exactly was, but um, that was like kind of like right before the suicide montage begins. Uh, and I'm assuming he is probably talking with um, Andy McDowell's character, but uh, yeah, just this kind of like, him just kind of like hating his life also kind of like wanting more out of it, but like not really, um, <laughs> I don't know, it's just weird, not knowing how. Yeah. Well, it's, it's this weird kind of like a uh, mix of like, of like, kind of like he knows <laughs> that he's not a good person, but for but like somehow still like believes that he deserves more. It, it, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you mean the definition of entitlement or a particular yeah. type of entitlement <laughs> yeah it's just such an interesting like yeah type of person that um yeah i i feel like i've met that that type of person before <laughs> where they're just like yeah i know i'm an asshole but like still why don't i have this thing that i want or like why isn't this thing that i uh, desire like happening for me at uh, this very I, moment. I know I'm an <laughs> asshole, but the universe owes me this thing. Yes. yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I would say Bill Murray, like that might be a through line in a lot of Bill Murray's movies, right? Like Scrooge certainly has that, um, you know, the adaptation of uh, Christmas Carol with him where he's a dirt, uh, you know, he's a scumbag corporate person who then learns the wisdom of maybe being less awful. Uh, certainly Lost in Translation is like that, right? Where he's a rich, entitled dude who wants to change his life, but doesn't know how. And uh, yeah, we should do Lost. Have you all done Lost in Translation on the podcast? That movie we is super- but I really like that movie. I hate that movie. So that, that is a good starting point. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, you get to be the adjudicator on that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I also remember thinking, like, literally, like, if there was just, like, one change in the score, like, this could have very easily have been a horror movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was, like, specifically, like, the moment where he's, like, telling Rita like everything about like her life like <laughs> he's just like yeah. and I was just like why is there romantic music playing over this moment it's, <laughs> creepy. it's so disturbing <laughs> like for this person like how like from her perspective how is she not like completely like creeped out I'm by calling the guy? police <laughs> yeah, by this guy who's like she's known for like a week just like telling her all of these intimate details about her life <laughs> That but it's like, so oh, good. It's like... It, if somebody could just take this movie and cut a horror trailer for it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that again points back to the kind of problematic nature of if like, you know, why is there this time loop? It's oh, so he becomes more self-aware and the ways in which he becomes more self-aware, first of all, is not that transformational. And secondly, is highly problematic when it comes to women. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, um, I don't know. That's about all that I have on um, Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, this is where if we all were in person, we would all look at each other and be like, okay, we're moving on. But we can't see each other. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, first of all, I wrote down that they're using, I looked at the cameras because the cameras that they're shooting on when they're doing the report are prominently featured and they're beta cam, like some yeah. certain number, and I thought it was hilarious that they're still using beta in 1993. Beta is a it, beta is better quality. This is like broadcast quality. Sorry. <laughs> At one point when Bill Murray is in the truck and he's driving around and he's got the he's stolen the groundhog and he's got the groundhog in the truck with him. I was having flashbacks to Caddyshack. Yes. Bill Murray and, and the groundhog. Which, uh, yeah, someday we can also talk about Caddyshack in terms of Bill Murray comedies that uh, maybe don't hold up so much. I, I can't get through that movie, so please let's not do um, that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Stephen Tobolasco, who we touched on before, who plays Ned Ryerson, um, he like did a bunch of those scenes. Like he had to be on call to do those scenes in every type of weather condition. So they shot oh. those same scenes like over and over and over again. You would think that they would just shoot all those street scenes in like the same day, but that's not how they did it. It was like this crazy story. If you want to hear Stephen Tobolaski tell great stories about this movie, um, he did an episode of I Was There Too with Matt Gorley, um, where he talks about making this movie, but also talks about being on Deadwood and a lot of other things. Um, my favorite story is that the line... Where like they keep running into Ned over and over again, and the time that Bill Murray hugs him and says, "Ned Ryerson, wherever you're going, can you call in sick?" That was like 
completely <laughs> improvised and <laughs> they got that on the first take nice <laughs> <laughs> And that's the one where Ned is all creeped out and he's like, uh, no, thank you. (laughs) And my last thing was, um, that I like how they end this movie with a song from Brigadoon, which is a musical that's also about people being like displaced from time. It's a town that only appears for one day every hundred years. And so when you're like, what a rare mood I'm in. Why, it's almost like being in love. That's from the musical Brigadoon, which also like is oh. kind of ties in in a fun way. So nice, nice. nice. <laughs> well, yeah, um, that is Groundhog Day. <laughs> um, yeah, warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a way to put it. Well done. Well said. Well said. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, should we just pop right into Russian Doll? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, uh, Russian Doll, uh, currently on Netflix. Uh, It is a show. It's got like eight episodes, uh, half an hour each. So it's not like a crazy long time commitment, Um, you know, for anyone that has very pressing engagements and (laughs) (laughs) needs to be somewhere quickly. You you got something that's, uh, it's pretty compact in terms of a TV show. Um, But yeah, um, Russian Doll is, uh, I think it came out 2019 last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's a similar premise, but very different execution uh, from Groundhog's Day. Um, it's got like Natasha Lyonne, uh, who, if anyone has watched Orange is the New Black, they'll know her from that. Um, and yeah, it is the story of Nadia, who, uh, is experiencing a very similar situation. Um, but <laughs> instead of waking up, she's just like reappearing at her in the bathroom at her birthday party every, uh, every time. Uh, and this one like starts with like deaths right away, uh, which is uh, I feel like was an interesting difference between the two. Like instead of like going to sleep and waking up on the same day, like like literally just like dying and just like yeah. coming to like back at your birthday party, I feel like would be <laughs> scary as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that rather than like the day resetting, it has to be she dies, right? And that uh, the, all the different ways that she dies, uh, sometimes intentionally and sometimes like unintentionally. Dying the same way over and over again within like mm-hmm. a very brief amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stairs. <laughs> she keeps falling down the stairs. Gosh, the everything about the stairs, like it, 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 like holds a special place in my heart forever now. Right, that it's funny and tragic and upsetting, and like it's a really, it's a wonderful showcase for her comedic and dramatic acting. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like we're we get like um, you know Phil in Groundhog's Day, who's like this kind of shitty person who like doesn't really uh, isn't really very self aware. We have like Nadia, who's kind of like a shit show, like, you know, just kind of like um, on uh, like fairly, um, you know, kind of like destructive, like self-destructive like path, uh, but is like fully aware of that 
um, mm-hmm. and is like actually kind of um, like intentional about it. Uh, and I feel like that helps with, uh, you know, because she has like Ruth um, who's kind of been in her life for a while uh, and is, you know, a, a therapist. Uh, and so like pretty much like her whole life has been kind of taken from this lens of um, like this kind of like analytical sense of like self-reflection yeah. around addiction <laughs> and mental health concerns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, where there was like a lot, like where there wasn't that like kind of self-awareness, I feel like this has a lot more self-awareness in um not just like the the character, not the the one character, but in like all of like the interactions of characters uh, throughout the show. I completely agree, and that I feel like you know she's a software engineer who works who's worked on video games, right? And a lot of video games are structured structured around this idea that you play and you die and then you repeat, right? Respawn, troll the respawn, right. Jeremy. Troll the respawn, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> And that what I really love about the show is that, you know, they intentionally allow the world to keep branching into lots of different things, right? It's the kind of world starts breaking down. Sorry, it's going into spoilers, <laughs> but that it really, um, it, it plays with the world as much as her having to repeat the exact same day over and over again, right? It goes kind of beyond a video game that way where it's not a prescribed you have to do these things in order to get through the level here. It really is like it changes every single time it resets. And that's really yeah. fun. Yeah. I think where the show really starts to come like into focus and where like it gets really cool is when Alan shows up, when like we start having a second person who's having the same issue, like he keeps dying and reliving the same day over and over again. But for mm-hmm. him, it's like the worst day of his life when his uh, girlfriend breaks or his he was about to propose to his girlfriend and then they actually actually end up breaking up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, uh... I actually like was writing names for this one because I knew like for a show it was going to be a lot more. But yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Beatrice like uh, it's like Alice, Alan's girlfriend. Uh, who it was funny because um, watching like when throughout the party the first time uh, when Nadia's at her party the first time she like you know starts talking to like Mike who like immediately I'm like. Um, you know, he's like talking about like all of this, like, you know, using all this like, you know, very like high minded academic language. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was like, the like the first thing I was like, oh, yeah, this guy is definitely like the pervy college professor who's like definitely fucking his students. Yes. <laughs> and then we find out that he's like fucking Beatrice and she's one of his students. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking about how the working class votes against their own, uh, you know, self-interest. I was like, Oh no, I know this dude. I hate this dude. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, that's like, um, I think I sent you that tweet, uh, before, yes. like, uh, where it was like, uh, you know, if you ever like talk to a guy and you can just tell like, no one's ever told him to just like shut the fuck up uh, and then it was like the person that like quoted it was like like babe i work in academia and i was just like you know that's my whole career why will no one tell that dude just shut the fuck up <laughs> 
it's like yeah, yeah. that's uh, that about sums up mike <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that, that guy who's just like yeah no one like no one has ever just like really just been like dude you're full of shit stop it <laughs> <laughs> but she starts to because she's like just from his introduction like he's not he's kind of like out of focus in the background and she's eavesdropping i love that as an introduction to a character where she's like rolling her eyes at him from the yeah <laughs> and again this is why i, I love um nadia and i i love like again despite like all of these like flaws that she has like she does have like a really good sense of self um and like her like core friend group of like maxine and um oh what's the like the blonde yeah i can't remember remember her name but um oh lucy there we go um you know like her core friend group is like you know this like really awesome group of like these like queer women who are (laughs) pretty much like they're all like willing to like um you know call each other out on their shit and Mm -hmm. like you know they're all um like pretty like self-assured and you know aware of like who they are despite like you know their own like level of um um what's that word uh pretentiousness you know Like, (laughs) like they're like um you know where mike is kind of like this like you know super academic like they're on like the more creative side of like still like um you know i forget what they're talking about when um oh my god i wish i could remember this (laughs) i have so many things (laughs) written down for this but um (laughs) there's like they're having like some conversation and they're and they're talking about like some weird uh like artistic thing uh anyway but you know you get my point and you yes, and you know yes. and you know like uh you you watch the show so <laughs> uh but yeah then the um they're also like you know like really open to like you know just like taking drugs and just like kind of like saying fuck it but also like just like just being good friends to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like um yeah, I just love their dynamic. Agreed. Yeah, like when when Nadia is like, "No, we have to leave and we have to take the fire escape." They're like, "Not like being, you're crazy." You're like, "I have a fire escape. I have to update <laughs> my house on Airbnb that ups the value of the house." <laughs> All to avoid her fall, breaking her neck down the stairs again, right? Like. <laughs> And yeah, I think that there's something very thoughtful and genuine about all of their dynamic as a group, right? And that that sets up really, that is set up really quickly. And then as the world begins disintegrating, like I actually started getting worried. Like, are my favorite character? Oh, sorry, should I do a spoilers version here? I, I guess- mean, we're in it. <laughs> we're in it. Okay. Um, you know, I start getting really concerned. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happens if my favorite characters start going away? Right? Like, I don't care if Mike goes away. Like, we get rid of that dude. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then I'm like invested. Like, what happens if they disappear from this world? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think it's, it's interesting because they have, as we um, watch them, like, kind of go through these cycles, you start to notice these little things like, uh, the first one I think is like oatmeal, like disappearing. The cat, like the from, cat. Yeah, the cat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like Nadia's trying to find her cat, uh, and then I think it's like the first or second time that she dies, 
or no, it's the second time that she dies where she's um, like holding oatmeal and then like oatmeal just disappears mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she just like falls over the side of a bridge into the water. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, over time we see like, you know, like there's like fruit that's like starting to rot. To rot. Like, Yep. The watermelons as like related to her mother, you know, her childhood, they're rotting in the background. Yeah. And And people are disappearing. Mm -hmm. Like it's so eerie, like towards the end when like she wakes up the party and the all like all the furniture is gone. And the only person who's there is Maxine. And Maxine yeah. is like dancing. She's like, what happened to the party? And Maxine just says, like, I am the party. It, like, that was, like, chilling. Yeah. And I, yeah. I really... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, uh, no, go ahead, because, like, I was going to go a little further in. And... Okay, cool. I just was going to say, in that same episode, she starts having... I think it's in that same episode. She starts having, like... She meets her child self in the um, bodega. You know, her child self is bleeding from the mouth. You see her child self have, you know, interactions with, um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Chloe Seven. Yeah, Chloe Savigny. Thank you. Yes. Who, like, Natasha and Chloe, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Natasha and Chloe in real life were, like, in the 90s, like, the it girls in terms of like independent cinema and so to kind of see them semi reunited is especially in uh, uh, like east coast uh independent cinema so to see them kind of reunited is like yes the team's back together again (laughs) whereas i always found personally natasha leone uh so relatable and awesome like self-deprecating like she's uh, and like leaning into her red hair you know um kind of perhaps I'm making some guesses here, bisexual Jewish roots that no, Chloe, I was actually gonna say, the white girl. Yep. <laughs> I was actually going to say that because uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't say, I'm like, I'm not disappointed, but like, I don't know. There's, she actually, you know, uh, you know, said that she is like totally straight. And I was just like, Oh, I mean, okay, but like, oh. <laughs> she also, she has so many kind of queered <laughs> roles that like I don't care about her personal life. <laughs> like her cinematic life is queer enough. Like, you're just gonna like headcanon her as an actual yes. person. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was like, she yeah, she has such uh like she has such like top energy. Like I, I just I feel like I feel like she's at I feel like she's pegged a man or two in her day. Like, I just I, I feel like definitely. Oh yeah. I, I mean yes. going back to American Pie where I had a crush on her, like back when that movie came out. Oh, she was in American Pie? I don't even she's remember. She's in that. American Pie. She's the one who uh she teaches um Oh, I can't remember. I, I think it was Tara Reed's character about uh, masturbating. Of course she does. See again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, sorry, getting back to the the, the show. <laughs> that I, I feel like that if um Groundhog Day is like this kind of white Americana, right? That the world of um Russian doll is kind of a plural New York, right? And it's a particular type point in time in New York and a particular location, but it has people of color and, you know, lesbians and Jews and all kinds of folks. Um, But at the same time, one of the questions I had for y'all was, 
I never watched Girls, that other, you know, the TV show also set in New York uh, that might have some overlaps. How would you, because I refuse to watch it for political reasons. So <laughs> if you've watched it, how do you think Russian Doll compares to that? Oh, I've never seen Girls. I have um, not watched Girls either. Yeah, and I don't intend to. Like, yeah, from everything I've heard about it, it is. It's kind of like the, uh, like the Friendsification of New York, where yeah. you know, it's like, <laughs> where are all of like the non-white people, um, and... <laughs> who, are, who, are, who are children of someone famous? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so, like from everything I've heard, it is. It is kind of more just like, um. Oh, like, yeah, we're going to do friends, but it's going to be like, gritty, like, raunchy, but like, you know, like, but like also like all women, but like also only all white women, like <laughs> rich, wealthy, privileged white women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've not like, I, you know, I've heard from people, um, you know, that there are, you know, I think like the first two seasons I've heard are like good and uh, from there it kind of like goes wherever, but yeah, I've just never found any yeah. interest in, in seeking it out or yeah <laughs> yeah but I, but I, part of where I'm going with that is that because I again also haven't watched girls but I feel like if Groundhog Day is like really um like about himself like this one character's experience and in kind of like a solipsistic way that like he's the only person who know, is known to exist kind of problem i feel like what i like about russian doll is that it really is about this expansive community idea right that alan she has to help alan or that's what they think at this point in the mystery of helping alan will and he didn't help her right if they can help one another um it's a very different way of thinking about um kind of the point of this type of time loop and re yeah, repetition it it's not just that she has to help Alan. It's that Alan also has to help her. Like that mm -hmm. both of them have to like help the other person in order to get out of it. And, and helping them doesn't mean quote unquote fixing them in some sort of like, you know, morality tale or something like that. But I feel like there are a lot of kind of allusions to addiction, right. Uh, that, that a lot of the people involved have, you know, publicly stated their own struggles with addiction of, you know, in some ways addiction is boring. It is living the same day over and over and over again, even if it changes. And that kind of, uh, they've talked about, you know, their dealings with their own mental health and how therapy can have that kind of like, oh, we're going over this again, right? <laughs> um, and that there's something about being stuck and repetition and the structure changing, which I feel like is related to kind of recovery, but not recovery as in now I have to be squeaky white bread lifestyle, right? Um, right. But kind of being able to self-care before you help others, right? I feel like there's some sort of self-care thing that is happening. Yeah, well, because I, I feel like the thing about it is like they both, um, both Alan and Nadia are like they have a death wish like mm -hmm. Nadia's is more kind of like drawn out uh in terms of like her you know kind of like reckless behavior and uh just kind of her um like where Alan like has to have like control like to like a compulsive degree over like everything um mm -hmm. in his life like Nadia is the complete opposite of like just being like reckless, embracing and chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and so like where um, Nadia is like kind of like on this like long, longer road to like destruction. Um, 
Allen's happens like all at once when he like loses control finally uh, and doesn't know how to get it back. And so, um, you know, again, spoiler alert, as we, we find out that um, his first death was a suicide. Uh, and mm-hmm. so like where, again, like we're not trying to, or, or Nadia isn't like necessarily trying to die. Like, uh, in that same way of like, you know, she's not immediately trying to kill herself, but she's like living on this path because she, as we find out, as she starts seeing her uh, younger self um, and she, uh, I believe she talks with Ruth about, you know, like, well, um, you know, like where was that? Like what happened to that girl that you were like that, you know, had some sort of like hope in life, had some spark of life, um and she's like you know says that she like lost her uh Mm -hmm. at some point and so like since that time yeah she's been on this kind of like slower spiral down but still kind of like heading toward that same end point yeah and in the last episode so again spoiler alert (laughs) in the last episode where you know she's talking to alan about how glad she is that he didn't jump off the roof to commit suicide in this round, um, he says, and anyone who's ever been in therapy for depression has knows this, <laughs> there's a variation on this phrase that everybody experiences, but he says, look, he says to her, like, look, promise me if I don't jump, I'll be happy. And she's like, I can't promise that. No, right? she says absolutely fucking not. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> fucking not. Exactly, right? <laughs> what she does say is I can promise you, you won't be alone. Exactly. And yeah. that's the second part of it, right? Absolutely fucking not. And I promise you, you won't be alone. And that's where the they do the um, kind of uh, at, at the end of that scene is where they do the split screen. And we see that there are even more branching possibilities and the kind of enigmatic, exciting ending where they then come back together. But that I feel like, again, that the this show is not about having some kind of clean, easy way of like, look, now I'm mentally healthy, <laughs> right? Or like, yeah. now everything's rosy. <laughs> um, or that I have to radically become a totally different person, the way Bill Murray's character has to become a totally different person. <laughs> um, but that of, of being able to kind of reflect and be able to handle and sustain difficulty. Yeah, and I... Um, so yeah, I, I feel like we kind of like, uh, brushed over like Chloe Sevigny. Is that how I pronounce? I don't know. Um, but she plays Nadia's mother, uh, in these like flashback scenes. Uh, and so we kind of get this, um, sense that, you know, she was, um, you know, going through like very like traumatic, like mental abuse. Um, mm-hmm. and also like the mother was dealing with her own, like mental trauma uh, and uh, like that scene where uh, she's outside of the store yes. as a girl uh, and like her mom is buying like all of these watermelons. Uh, it's just like, uh, it's just like, so it's such an interesting scene because like when you first see it, like it's like, you're it's like kind of funny. And then, like, as the scene, like, keeps going on, like, you just, like, start to feel more and more uncomfortable. And then, like, by the end of it, like, when, like, they're um, in the house and, like, Chloe is, like, cutting up all of those watermelons with, like, Ruth coming in and, like, you know, trying to get, um, 
Nadia to eat something because the only thing that like her mom is made is like cut up watermelon. And it's like, yeah, you can't, she can't just eat watermelon. She needs like actual food, which I mean is debatable for like Campbell's soup, but you know. <laughs> yeah. You can have like or a cream of mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> just eating a can of cream of mushroom soup and not using it as an ingredient. <laughs> But the yeah, but again, that that progression of at first it starts funny that mom's getting these crazy watermelons, and mom's then you know. But we can oh, I have a good feeling about the bodega over on Second Ave, and you're like, wait, what? Where are you going? Why are you going to another bodega? And it's like, oh wait, no. Now she has a carload of watermelons, right? And having the employee who's helping you know bring the last round of watermelons and being like uh turning to the young child and being like hey are you okay <laughs> right like something's off here and, and then the mother is like throwing away their winter coats in order to make room for more watermelons mm-hmm. and that that and then the mom gets really like why did he yell at me right that and she's very upset by it so i feel like that um uh, as you both are saying that, that that's those scenes really describe a particular type of you know kind of mental health trauma experience <laughs> that it is uh I, I you rarely see that reflected right uh you often see mental health as being like i'm so bummed <laughs> but to be able to kind of take this like moment of or moments of discomfort and be they begin kind of funny and absurd and become quite heartbreaking um while also being funny and absurd is, 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 is really adept storytelling. Yeah. And then, yeah, when she's uh, like the, like it all kind of culminates with um, her mom, like breaking all of the mirrors in the house, um, which kind of comes into play. Like we see like how both of their, um, you know, trauma, like both Alan and, um Nadia are like playing out like as the like world begins to like continually um like deteriorate around them like the Mm -hmm. first thing like the first like really big thing that like starts happening is like all of the mirrors are gone that's like the really the first big like noticeable thing that like starts happening um and we see like in that scene where um she's going to meet um where Nadia is going to meet John's daughter um, where she like starts like coughing and like literally like pulls a piece of glass out of her throat. Like it was just Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that, that moment, like this, the show, like, and again, overall the show does uh, uh, a really cool um, slide into like from things being like, kind of like, oh, this is, like, weird, but, like, kind of funny. And then, like, by the end, like, where we're having, like, these scenes where she start when she starts seeing her younger self, like, it does, like, the the music, like, the the scenery starts to just get really, like, disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wrote that down as, like, last few episodes, holy tone shift. <laughs> <laughs> and what I like about this is that, like, so much of American TV is about, like, melodrama, where, like, the same, you know, it's like, uh, there's a, like, think of any sitcom, like, something bad is set up, right? Like, I don't know, Homer and Marge are fighting on The Simpsons. And, you know, and Homer's going to be an asshole for, like, most of the episode. And then at the end, Marge forgives him and we're back to where we started. That here it really does do this kind of more dramatic progression of, or a particular type of dramatic 
progression where like, and I feel like somewhere in there is something about like, you know, the adage, like the, like the definition of insanity, I think it's insanity or something is, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting this different results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's a, a Einstein quote. It was Einstein's definition of insanity. It was trying the same thing over and over expecting a different result. And again, that a lot of like addiction counseling and mental health counseling and all kinds of things really pull back on that, right? And say like, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. And, and that I feel like, as you're saying, Colin, the last three episodes are like, whoa, we're getting different results all of a sudden, <laughs> right? Like we're getting really different results here. <laughs> so um, do we want to even bother comparing them? <laughs> I mean, I don't think we need to like, yeah, there's not really any point in a side by side comparison. Side, side. I think we. Yeah, we, no. These okay. are. I feel like the only thing that like, uh, like maybe would even like work is you know like there's like uh and the relationship that I, one of the relationships that I really liked in Russian Doll was um Nadia's like like meeting and kind of like continual relationship with Horse um who is like the the guy that's homeless like in sitting uh, in the mm-hmm. park mm-hmm. um and. Like, you know, when they first meet, um, they kind of, like, pass by each other. And then at one point, uh, you know, or one cycle, um, like, he, like, cuts her hair. And she, like, uh, is, like, you know, just, like, wasted drunk. um, And she, like, ends up, like, sleeping, like, next to him, like, outside. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that was, like, one of the, like, one of the ones where it was, like, which she like froze to death. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was just like, so fucking, <laughs> that was like one of those moments where I was like, Oh, holy shit. That was, yeah. And she says it too. Like, she's like, Oh, that was dark. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, that was froze fucking dark. But then yeah. that's uh, what spurs her to next, like on that next timeline, she has to go and protect horse. Like she has to get, because his shoes were stolen in the homeless shelter. So she goes to the shelter to guard his shoes that night. Yeah. And and I think that that's uh, I, again like just that um, <laughs> I, I feel like if there's one kind of like side by side comparison is um, you know seeing the way that um, yeah Phil you know how how long it takes Phil to treat someone that's you know with homeless dignity. with compassion <laughs> yeah versus like how long it takes Nadia's like you know pretty short <laughs> um and yeah and I think that again that I feel like there's a lot to uh in terms of just like overall like how we as uh, a culture and society uh view homelessness which is like overall still i feel like the same there's you know a lot of um you know shame and demonization of blame like yeah. yeah um but like i feel like there is like there has been a lot of um there's there's been progress made in terms of like how people view like people that are experiencing homelessness uh and having that be more publicly accessible like that information and those like perspectives like in those voices being heard is uh i feel like in some way and i feel like it's reflected in russian doll that mm-hmm. um yeah it's not just like oh well look at that person on the side of the street or whatever it's like oh that's like 
a human being who's probably going through a lot and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe uh treat them like a person instead of just like <laughs> a trash can or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. um so yeah i i think that that uh, just kind of overall like i don't know how intentional that was for like within russian doll um but i think that it was a, a nice uh a nice thing to see in terms of um any sort of like way that any sort of like parallel that I can make to <laughs> a movie like that was made in 1993 and <laughs> one that was made in 2020. I also like that it's not uh, that she and Alan have not become lovers, right? That this is not a romance between the two. Of them. I mean, maybe they, they will in one. season two. Yeah, they, they hooked yeah. up once, but yeah. Yeah, but hooking up is hooking up. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, no, it's yeah. not, like, she's not finding her moral center via her romance with him. Right. Right. And yeah. I did love the scene where they hook up because he's talking about, like, um, I'll, like, do a better job of fucking you than he did. And she's like, oh, look who just, someone just threw a gauntlet into my puss puss. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh gauntlet into my puss puss i forgot that line <laughs> yeah alan also has a very nice ass so that was also a great that was that was a nice treat yes yes <laughs> but, oh my god like there's so many fucking just beautiful uh, beautiful oh my god beautiful <laughs> like Ferran. oh my god the oh, uh yes. the store like the store owner the bodega yes guy. Like, oh my God. (laughs) Everyone in their own way is just so like, yeah, I want to be stuck in a time loop with you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So does anyone have anything else they really wanted to add about this movie or the series? Aside from like stats on both, the only other thing I wrote down was like, the cat is behind it all. Like it went, towards the end, I had decided that Oatmeal was like the mastermind behind uh, the entire thing. And you know what? If that's what it ends up being, I'm totally fine with that. Like <laughs> the cat, Oatmeal's nine lives or something. Yeah. Um, I really love the way that Nadia described herself as uh, if Andrew Dice Clay and the girl from Brave had a baby. Yes! <laughs> Oh, Oh, I I love the interaction between uh, Maxine and what's her girlfriend's name? Lucy? Is that her name? Yeah, they're not girlfriends, but they're they're just, yeah, friends. Oh, shoot. Then who's the one? Anyway, they're talking about what it's like to date someone 22 years younger than you are. And and she says, do you even know what 9-11 is? And Natasha just goes, does anyone or something? You know, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's so many great lines in this whole series yeah <laughs> my puss <puss-puss. laughs> <laughs> my puss piece <laughs> um yeah i uh, again I, I loved ruth a lot too um yeah. as kind of uh nadia's center um mm-hmm. and just kind of like the one form of stability she's had for her whole life uh, and then there was the one line where she, um, you know, cause she talks about how they don't use the word crazy. Um, and, uh, one of the lines she says is, uh, don't confuse your mother with her damage. And I was like, mm-hmm. that was, that's such a great sentiment of, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Like while like people 
like yes that damage like affects people but at the end of the day it's like not all of who they are mm-hmm. so yeah that was that was a good i feel like it was a really good sentiment mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe and maybe that's like i think you're pointing to the core of like if of the series right in some ways that don't confuse the person with their damage um or, or being able to reconcile a person in their damage or being able to self-reflect on yourself and your damage. You know, that there's a kind of way in which that's both the characters themselves reflecting on their own, um, their own demons that come in the form of earlier versions of themselves in bodegas, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also love like all of the moments where like Nadia just like owns like the room like when she's <laughs> when she's like in like the meeting with all the tech bros uh, and they're like um you know they're like oh you're like you know like bill did great and chad you did good too and oh hey nadia there was like a bug in your code and she's like oh let me see that real quick like she's like well actually uh it looks like bob left a mistake here. your code uh, problem <laughs> let me fix here oh it's and they're like oh no don't worry about it. She's like, oh no no it'll just take a second and she's like oh fixed it there you go yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. and then uh, uh i love when she like yeah she like shush like shush shushes him too she's just like oh, like just no nope, just shut up just let, <laughs> let me do my work yeah. uh and i love how she just like leaves the meeting she's like um yeah i gotta go meet with my drug dealer Sorry, that's my drug dealer i gotta take this <laughs> Uh, also when they're like, uh, taking her to Bellevue uh, and they're, and they're all, um, like trying to, uh, you know, they're trying to like diagnose, not diagnose her, but, uh, they're like questioning her essentially. <laughs> and she says, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of mama's boys don't get to decide if I'm crazy. <laughs> ah, I forgot that line. <laughs> that was really good too. I, I love Natasha Leone. Like she's such a badass. She's so She's awesome. We can uh, get into that when we get into recommendations. I exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Colin, you want to give us some stats? Uh, yeah. So uh, Russian Doll has a 7.9 on IMDb. It has a 97% Rotten Tomatoes and an 87% Audience Tomatoes. Uh, Groundhog Day has an 8.0 on IMDb, a 72 on Metacritic, a 96 Rotten Tomatoes, and 88 um, Audience Tomatoes. Uh, Groundhog Day had a budget of $14.6 million, then an opening weekend of $12 million, and a worldwide gross of $70 million. Whoa. Huh. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Bill Murray is a name that, you know, yeah, yeah, gets yeah, some yeah. pull. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. This is the height of Bill Murray fame. Yeah. <laughs> Well, awesome. Uh, I guess we can move into recommendations. Who, uh, Colin, you said you had some. Do you want to, do you want to uh, start us off? Yeah, I'll start. Um, I already mentioned the podcast. I was there too. Um, a lot of this, unfortunately, is probably behind the Stitcher Premium paywall. But it's uh, Matt Gorley who interviews actors who had small parts in like major motion pictures. Um, Specifically, one is Stephen Tobolowsky talking about Groundhog Day. Uh, he interviews the woman with the baby carriage in The Untouchables. Oh. He does like, all the passengers on the bus from Speed, which is a really cool one because they all have this different like Rashomon style uh-huh. of what's happening <laughs> on that movie. 
Um, uh, but I was there too, uh, specifically the Stephen Tobolowsky episode. Um, if you like Natasha Leone and you have not seen Slums of Beverly Hills. Slums of Beverly Hills! Hills. <laughs> and if you like time loops, this gives me a chance to recommend my favorite episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's uh, yeah. season five, episode 18. It's called Cause and Effect, where the Enterprise is caught in a time loop and it keeps getting destroyed. It's it's a really great piece of sci-fi. So check that out. I would totally agree with that. I had uh, obviously some of those also. Uh, Slums of Beverly Hills uh, was the first time I saw Natasha Leone. And I think it was perhaps my first, because she was around, she's around my age. And I was like, I think I'm in love with a girl. And her name is <laughs> Natasha. <laughs> I would also, um, the, while the movie doesn't quite hold up, but it's another kind of queer classic is um, But I'm a Cheerleader that she stars yeah. in. Yes. Yeah. From the 90s. Um, I would say if you like Bill Murray of this era, Scrooged is another great example of him kind of learning to be less of a ass. Um, and then uh, Ghostbusters 2. I know this is less far less popular, but the first hour and a half of Ghostbusters 2 is actually really, really funny um, to me. Uh, if you like Andy McDowell, I would recommend Green Card uh, with Gerard Depardieu. Um where they kind of scam to have a green card. And again, she's in every uh, that era um, rom-com. Um, uh, and repeating, I would say Lived, I Repeat, also named, um, what the heck is it? Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. Yep, which they are making a sequel. I mean, I don't know where it is with COVID. It's also a manga, which I haven't read, um, but I would be very, uh, I very much want to. And then I hesitate to recommend this movie but uh but it does have time loops is looper um i find looper extremely lazy that it pulls together like the scary psychic children of akira with the uh reformed killer at the end of his life and blade runner with the like pe uh, strange things keep being able to like people are disintegrating from philip k dick's ubik story so like i feel like it's like a mishmash of every science fiction trope but it also um does a decent job doing the time loop theme good stuff good stuff what you um, got craig what you got i don't know i just have like one thing that i can think of and it's mainly like because it's a show that um starts out one way and takes a really wild turn um uh, it's an anime and it's called uh Pueli Maja or Puella Magi Madoka Magica. Um it is like an interesting take on the like magical girl anime, um, mm -hmm. which uh anyone who's a fan of anime like knows what I'm talking about in that um, you know, it's like the Sailor Moon, uh magical my magical nights, uh rare earth um there's like a million pretty much if it's like you know the glowing transformation um <laughs> you know you've probably seen a magical girl anime um so yeah it's uh i don't want to give anything away because um the first time i watched the show i was blown away uh, so i would recommend checking that out it is currently on netflix um yeah, just uh, give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. It's on Netflix. Yeah, you said. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's it's one season long, so it's um, it's a 
pretty let me see i think it's only like 12 episodes or something like that great yep 12 episodes so it's a pretty short watch um you know a lot of animes can get up there but um yeah when they've been running for like one. 40 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not telling anyone to watch like one piece or anything like that like <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, all of it. Oh God. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to live that long to be able to watch all of it. <laughs> well, right on. Uh, thank you all for joining us on this uh, new and interesting journey. <laughs> <laughs> and and every day may be slightly different may every day be slightly different that again it's not the same thing over and over again expecting the same results or expecting different results (laughs) well yeah uh i hope everybody stays safe stays healthy stays the fuck home um yeah uh other than that you can follow us online we are on twitter at iwitwt on instagram at that same handle uh, we've got a website that's iwitwt.com and uh, let's see what else do we got uh, I am on Twitter individually as Catharticus and Colin's on there too where are you I'm at, at Colin much. there we go all right um, yeah wherever you are please follow us on your podcatcher apps um, leave us a review five stars oh, tell us oh, how much you quick. like us um, oh. Sorry, I was I meant to plug this before, but um, I just recently joined um, Greg from the Movie Date Night podcast in the uh, James Bond Fantasy Draft. So I am in the uh, James Bond Fantasy League right now, um, which is going to be going on for the next seven weeks. So if yeah. you're a James Colin, fan, Colin, Colin, can you explain what a what that is? I don't know what a fantasy league for okay. James Bond is. So think of like how people do like fantasy sports, like fantasy football, where they draft like a player and they draft like I got a quarterback and I got a whatever. And, right. they, uh-huh. and so what you do is we, we, we're are, all very big sports fans here. Obviously, yes, we're, all yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're really into the sports ball. Professional sports ball is our jam. <laughs> we are doing just the films of Roger Moore. So um, each one of us drafts like Bond from a specific film. Uh-huh. And then you draft like a Bond girl and then you draft a villain and a henchman and um, like a theme song. And then you'll score points based on like how those people do in their individual movies. And we'll come together at the end to see who wins. So, so when you say fun. do how they do, because like at least in games, they like play the game. Right. And then you yeah, so like on for Bond would like score points for like the number of bad guys that he defeats or the number of things that he uh-huh. blows up. Or like if he's uh, he gets like, a point for every 30 seconds he spends in a chase scene. <laughs> and, and, and how is his, um, how are his sexual proclivities being ranked or scored? That's um, scored differently because that's scored by the Bond girl. And it actually, you w- want the Bond girl to hook up with Bond as late in the movie as possible because you score. So holding like, out is a, is the... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so she can't be too easy is that the <laughs> yeah well i mean she can but like you're not going to get as many points from her that way as you would if like she's at the very end of the movie the two of them hook up so ah uh, man i would i'm glad i'm not a bond girl i would get zero points <laughs> <laughs>
you get a, no, no, you have to say James a lot because you get oh. one point every time she says James. <laughs> I feel like this is like identifying all the problems I have with James <laughs> in, in numerical form. <laughs> well yeah that's awesome um so yeah be sure to check that out and take a listen to the folks over at movie date night as well um and and yeah and colin let us know how you're doing keep us updated on your progress (laughs) yeah you better win for us you better win better win all our reputation is on the line here all right (laughs) i I put together a strong team i think i've got good chances yeah (laughs) yeah like when they they sent us a message uh, at like our pod uh uh, DM in our pod DMs, and I was like, um, I am not in any way uh, qualified to do this, uh, but I know the perfect person. <laughs> ah, nice, nice, yes. <laughs> we do know the perfect person. <laughs> well, right on. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, thank you all for joining us once again, and have a good day. Bye.